Guess who's back? Yes, hurry up. Uh, too late. Slim? Who's back? I wanted you to say it before the animation popped away. Slim Shady? Basically. Shady's back. Mr. Well, you, it, and he's not Slim Shady unless he flips the double bird at fans, because that's what Eminem did at that Lions game. <laughs> <laughs> he's... He's he's watching the pro, he watched the Pro Bowl. That's that's what <laughs> all Lions fans are doing right now. It is frustrating to watch the Pro Bowl. As someone Did said, what's the best the way? Someone said, what's the best way to get someone to be a baseball fan or something like that? They're like, have them watch the Pro Bowl. <laughs> True. The pro Bowl was in Orlando, and I didn't even watch it. It was. I saw the fireworks from my apartment. Did you? Yeah, it was the best part. What of were the, the pro fireworks? Bowl. They were actually pretty weak. They were not what I thought they were going to be, but. It is what it is. No Disney. Hey, look who's back. Wow. Great job, Claudia. Kratz and all of his friends. What's the scariest moment you had in South Africa? Scariest? I don't know. The first time you see an elephant and he's like walking right at your Jeep, you're sitting there going, I'm sure he's going to be fine. The guide told us it'd be fine. But you warm up to it and you realize that the animals, they're really not going to bother you if you don't do anything stupid. So... I got comfortable and I went on a walking tour to track down a male lion. So that was exciting, invigorating, and an amazing trip. Scariest moment, you said, but what about best moment? Best moment? The last day, the elephants, we had a watering hole near our hotel. Yeah, this is this, this lion. Uh, I was in a Jeep with these lions. These girls were tracking, yeah, they were tracking a warthog, which they ended up killing. And she's, she stopped because she was close. And then this, this girl came up and she was just prowling, <laughs> prowling. Like it is be, being in their area, that is wild and crazy. But the last day, elephants came to the watering hole and a croc came up and bit the elephant's trunk. And it like swung it back and forth and flew it off. I mean, I don't know that it can really hurt an elephant, but it was <laughs> it was sick. Well, now you're back in our territory. And guess what, Eric Kratz? There is a current Kansas City Raw, I know you're a former, who is now significantly richer than you and can go on way more safaris than you. Let's charge the damn mound because we have some breaking news. Yes, I'm glad we're all here for this party because this is huge, huge, huge news in Kansas City. Bobby Witt Jr. is signing with the Kansas City Royals an extension that is 11 years, ready for it, $288.7 million. Wow. Just freshly out there seeing the reports flying through including passing who I think was first on it, but whoa. Opt-outs too. Opt-outs in there, yep. And a club option, so I guess it could be longer than 11. Bobby Witt in Kansas City, basically for life. Or it makes it easier to trade. But not in the beginning. <laughs> no, not in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> um, Royals are spending money this offseason. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Get that new stadium kit. Get that new stadium. That's what they're doing. That is what to they're the doing. GM, right? Piccolo, JJ. And he's mm -hmm. like, oh, I don't know about that. But I mean, trust me, the owners aren't that stupid. They know. They know that we have a good team. You have people, players that people like. Uh, it is definitely, it definitely helps. Easier to convince politicians to get your stadium going. Plus, I mean, let's go over the player for a moment here. This is one of the bright young stars in our game. 
not a lot of lineup protection right now. Hopefully that can improve as this team continues their rebuild. But even this past season, I mean, baseball reference war 4.4, 319 on base, 495 slugging, 276 batting average, 30 homers, 96 driven in, 49 stolen bases. And that was his sophomore campaign in Major League Baseball. He's 23 years old. All right, here's the de- – you want the details of the contract? You got more details? Uh, yeah. Contract will allow Witt to opt out after the 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th years. It also includes an option after the 11th season that would tack on three years and $89 million, giving it 14-year, $377 million ceiling. Mm. That's a beautiful thing right there. Let's go. Let's go, all young kids out there. <laughs> Jeez. Let's go. There's some money to be made, boys. If Should have you... played shortstop. Yeah. Good news, too. We're talking to Robert Murray, who was the one last night who said those talks were starting to heat up again. So mm-hmm. he'll join us coming up in just a few. Todd, Father, I feel like if you were in that situation, no matter what you think, whether you feel like the team is still far away from winning or not, Tough to turn down that coin. Because I know Bobby Witt was very serious about wanting to be part of a contender. And I'm sure he can look over to someone like Mike Trout and say, hey, I don't want my career to be that playoff list. But at the same time, how are you turning down $300 million when you're 23 and you're going to be with that team at least for the next several years, no matter what? Yeah, and now, like, you think of little things, you know. It's it's something for Kansas City to have their guy. This is, you know, their guy. You know, you got Salvador Perez. I understand he's... Still that top dog that everybody talks about. Now they got this young up-and-coming, not even up-and-coming. He's been here for a couple of years now, and he's dominant. He's going to have an excellent career. I hope he just goes out there and plays now. Now little things like he could buy a house now and settle down and not worry about where he's renting the next place. Enjoy Kansas City. And then, you know, baseball is just there. Go out there and, you know, he don't have to prove. He could prove himself, but at the same time, he did. He worked his, his tail off to get where he has to be now. Go out there and just play baseball and be the best version of yourself. And, again, congratulations to him. This is so cool. I wish all players can experience something like this. I never did, man. That money is so cool. And now, listen, time to party for him a little bit. Spring training around the corner. (laughs) Go out there. Enjoy a nice little get-together with friends and family. On you, of course, Bobby. And then get ready for some baseball. By the way, full no trade also for him. Wow. Full no trade. That's a lot of opt-outs. A lot of opt-outs. Hold on. So wait. Full no trade, and uh, he got a signing bonus. Guess what the signing bonus was? Seven point seven million. Thirty million. Seven point seven 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 million. So it's all sevens because he's number seven. So it was seven uh, million seven hundred seventy-seven thousand seven hundred seventy-seven dollars. That's cute. <laughs> that was cute, right? Yeah. So uh, he's scheduled. If he doesn't, if he opts out, first seven years will pay him one forty-eight. So it's seven one forty-eight guaranteed. Okay. And then the options kick in. So the guarantee for Julio Rodriguez was 12 years, 209. 209. Austin Riley, 10 years, 212. Because I'm looking at about two years. So of Tatis, service. 14 years, 340. J Rod, 12, 209. Wander Franco, who 11 years, 182. Probably he's not going to see a lot of that. Right. Trout, six years, 144. Corbin Carroll, 8, 111. And Acuna, 8, 100. So he did well. He did amazingly well. Wow. 
Good for him. Yeah. Good for and him. He also, he doesn't have to opt out. Think about that, Kratz. If he doesn't opt out, like let's say for some reason goes through injuries, there's problems, whatever it is, doesn't matter. You are guaranteed 11 years and almost $300 million. I, yeah, I, it's amazing. It's awesome. And KC is a great place to play. But my thing, I love these opt-outs. Like everybody talks about, well, you're selling yourself short. He would be coming out as a 30-year-old free agent with nine years uh, in the big leagues. So he could get himself another contract. And it's not, it's, to me, it's great for both sides. Like this is, this should show everybody what your team should be doing. So th- this is, this is amazing. And you talked about, he doesn't have a lot of lineup protection. He did it last year with not a lot of lineup protection. He's a dude that swings a lot, not a high on base percentage. But he gets stuff done on his own. He is an elite player that is going to give KC a lot of years. And it also gives KC kind of that clout, too, of like, hey, you want to come here in free agency? Not that they're going to go out and get a $300 million player, but they've signed some really – they've done some really nice things this offseason. What, what's the ceiling for Bobby Witt Jr.? Because I'm looking at some of the little things that I like, too, that I put down on his notes, like – most two-strike hits in baseball last year was a tie between Bobby Witt Jr. and Bryson Stott. Now, obviously, you see the flashy numbers, the mm-hmm. 30 homer power, the basically 50 stolen bases that he already has been able to pull off, the quality of contact numbers, looking at some of those deeper peripherals in the second half of the season were better. He was working deeper counts in the second half of the season. I mean, he's only two years into his big league career and also didn't have like the best mentors necessarily to look around. It's not like you're looking at ABs every day going, oh, I got to be like that guy. Kansas City hasn't had any offense the last couple of years. They have Sal. That's yeah, it. but Sal swings at everything. True, it's true. <laughs> so, so does Bobby. Yeah, he got I've, better. He got went, better. He got better as the year went on. That's yeah, he does have to. much better plate discipline than Salvi, and the potential of plate discipline is, is significantly higher for him. Because yeah. you know, Kratz, I mean, obviously the dude's got pop, but also get on base, and he's at second half the time. Is he Tulowitzki? Is he Troy Tulowitzki? I think he's got more speed. Definitely more speed. And he's I, a top I mean, five speed in the game. I don't think Tulo hit that many homers, did he? Yeah, Tulo was like a. Hang on, let me let me look it up. That's, that's in Colorado, so it doesn't count. Yeah, that's also <laughs> no, no, I mean, that counts. I'm, I'm not going to play that game. But Tulo in his first years, he was 21 when he made it to the big league. Second year, he went 24 dingers, only seven seven bags but then he went 32 27 30 so i mean i guess you can hate on him for that stuff but i guess tulo's on base percentage was higher too but tulo was a guy and yeah yeah wits wits that kind of player like even even when he was drafted they started talking about his makeup his just how he was just it wasn't really a question like this is the guy we're going to take one one and to have it come to fruition and have a you know four and a half war season in his second year in the big leagues, this is this is Casey's. I'm not saying it's Casey's window because not really too much has come out of the KC farm system. So they're going to need to do it a different way. But you can't let this guy go, and they did a great job locking him up. Second overall pick in 2019 because Todd Father, we've talked a lot about the Baltimore Orioles over the last mm-hmm. week with the ownership change and the big Corbin Burns acquisition on Friday. Up until 
we found out that there was going to be a new rich owner taking over for the Orioles, we thought there was a chance Adley Rutschman doesn't play past a few more years with the Orioles, right? You probably look when he's about two or three years away from free agency and have to trade him if you are actually a man of your word and John Angelos essentially saying he wasn't going to re-sign any of those players. I bet you many of those players get re-signed now, but that's what you're looking at. In 2019, number one pick, Rutschman. Number two pick, Bobby Witt Jr. You want those teams to be able to keep those players long term, and that's what we're seeing here. And also, all of these teams can afford to make deals like this. That's very clear. So... Kansas City's had a great offseason. They've added Michael Waka, Seth Lugo, et cetera. Let's bring in Robert Murray right now to talk us through it a little bit more because he broke the story last night that the extension talks were starting to heat up. Great work, Robert, on that front. Were you surprised that it actually came together this quickly after that? No, I was, I'm not surprised. And, hey, thanks, guys, for having me on. I'm not necessarily surprised it happened this quickly. I had heard last night that there was some pretty strong momentum toward a deal getting, getting done. Uh, I cushioned it just because – you never really know with these kind of deals like of this magnitude, they can drag on quite a bit in negotiations, but I had heard optimism from both sides that a deal would get done and it would make him the highest paid player in Royals franchise history. It ended up getting done today. And now the Royals have their long-term face of the franchise in place. And I think that's going to end up being a really good thing for one, like building the new stadium and getting that deal done. And then two recruiting players to free or in free agency uh, going forward as well. Yeah, Robert, I was, oh, go, go ahead. ahead no, I was going to ask the same thing. Getting more players to come to Kansas City. You see teams that, um, you know, the Giants to name one. It seems like no, nobody really wants to go there and play there. Now with Kansas City, it seems like now you see people getting paid. You see the new acquisitions they got. It's a nice place to be at. And it looks like you might get some big other names, you know, free agent wise next year and for years to come seeing what they did with Bobby, right? No, absolutely. I think that's going to end up being something that's really valuable for them. And it's, as you said, it's something that a lot of these teams have tried to do, get the big names signed long-term, like the Giants especially. They've struggled more than any team with that. But now the Royals, who have been one of the most aggressive teams this offseason, which I got to be real, did not necessarily see that coming uh, at the start of the offseason here. But they've added some really nice pieces to the rotation. They've added some good bullpen pieces as well. Um, they've added some pieces to the offense as well, and now they extend Bobby Witt Jr. I think it's a really good time to be a Kansas City Royals fan, and it makes you wonder what else they're going to be able to do maybe this offseason, but just going forward as well, and and especially in that division, which is so winnable, seeing them trying to go and compete in it, I think is really refreshing, especially since, I mean, I'm sure we've we've talked about it a bunch on here already, uh, in previous shows, but how inactive the market has been. So this has been like a really nice change of pace and just really refreshing overall. What does this do for the Royals' hopes of a new stadium? We we talked to J.J. Piccolo, their GM, and he kind of was like, we asked him that, and he's like, eh, I don't know about that. But this has got to be encouraging, right, because it shows the owner will spend not only on wit, but also on, you know, you mentioned some other players, Lugo, Waka, some of the other guys they brought in. So does this give them a better shot of getting a new stadium? Because honestly, I mean, Kansas City is a great stadium. It's a great baseball town. The stadium's just kind of in the middle of nowhere along with the football stadium. So they will obviously want to build it downtown. Does this help? This has to help them, right, to get a new baseball stadium? Oh, absolutely. Because now that they have wit extended, like that's going to ensure there's a lot of money coming into the in, into, into that team. Uh, from a fan perspective, there's going to be teams that are bu- or fans that are buying uh, Whit Merif- or uh, not Whit Merrifield, but Bobby Wood Jr. Um, jerseys. There are going to be people buying tickets. There's going to be people buying 
all sorts of different stuff. And there's going to be, it's, you now have that long-term face of the franchise, which is a really difficult thing uh, for these teams to get. And now I think that's only going to help them get this new stadium deal done. And I think that's going to end up being something that is a real, like a building block for this team. And it's going to help with that new stadium. It's going to help with the roster construction going forward. I think it's going to be nothing but great things for that, for that city. And I also think too, like it's a really good thing for the player as well. I mean, if you look, he's 23 years old, just ended up getting about a little less than 290 million. That doesn't even include uh, the three option years on it as well. I mean, that's just, it's an overall, it's a great deal for that team, what they can become for that stadium and for the player. I think it's just a win-win for both sides. And, and considering the level of player that he is, it would not even be a surprise if he ends up outplaying that contract as well. He's a, He's a generational player. That's clearly what the Royals believe with this deal. A lot of these young contracts, you talk about like the options that are at the end. It's like, oh, you know, three years of options, four years of options. Has there been contracts for young guys like this that have opt-outs, player opt-outs? Or is it because it's normally like the teams get like, hey, you know, they have Andrew McCutcheon signs his deal and he gets to have three team options, that kind of thing. But these opt-outs, is this a new thing? Um, I cannot honestly remember another deal quite like that has opt-outs for a young player. Um, I think that would end up being a case where this is a, it would be a rare deal. I don't. I have not personally heard of this deal having opt-outs. I've just heard of um, heard of them having option years at the end of the end of, end of the contract. But as far as opt-outs, that's basically unheard of for a young player and a contract quite like this. Um, cause teams like having those option years at the end of the deal, just cause obviously if the team is going to pick up those, those options, clearly the player is out like exceeded the contract. Um, so like I've, if that is indeed included in this deal, then I think that would be one of the first, if not the first that would have that. Robert, is this a sign to the rest of the central that, Hey, the Royals are coming to play now because no one else in the central is really spending a lot of money. The Twins obviously are getting rid of money. The Guardians never seem to do much. Tigers spend a little bit here and there, but not like they used to under Illich. Mike Illich, the former owner, before he passed away. And the, and the White Sox are just kind of stuck in perpetual rebuild. So is this a sign mm-hmm. that, hey, the Royals are coming, and now guess what? We have money to spend, and we're actually going to spend it? Oh, I, I think that's spot on, AJ. Like, I think this is a sign to the division that they're in this very seriously, and Really, like, there's no team that's running away with that division. I mean, the Twins obviously have a lot of talent. Uh, they just traded Polanco to the to the Mariners. Obviously, they ended up adding a couple more pieces. Just agreed to a deal last night with Jay Jackson uh, to bolster their bullpen, which is already really good. So, I mean, there's obviously like the Royals aren't at this point to me. They're not the favorite to win the division, but I think they can be easily competitive. And there's a lot of offseason left too. Um, so they can continue to try to upgrade this roster. They can, but I do think they're meaningfully better than where they were last year. And considering that they have this long-term piece in place with Bobby Witt Jr., they're going to just, I think it's a sign to the rest of the division and even the American League that the Royals are, are not messing around now and that they can end up being one of these contending teams before too long in the division. But if they continue to add pieces around this roster, then they could even compete uh, for the American League as a whole. And this is this is like the first big building block of it. And I truly, maybe it's not this offseason, 
maybe it's the deadline, but I don't think they're done. I think they, when you're adding pieces like this, you just got to keep your foot on the gas pedal, especially after doing a deal like what you just did with Bobby Witt. Sometimes people don't understand my sarcasm. I know you do, Robert, but how can they be doing this with the uncertainty of all these TV contracts? <laughs> I'll tell you, the amount of times that I've heard that this offseason <laughs> is unbelievable. It's, uh, I mean, it's a real thing for some of these teams, but, but man, like you would think they'd be able to spend no matter what's going on here. But I mean, Eric, you, like you, you and I talk, I mean, like, I'm curious from your end, like if, when you hear this RSN stuff, does it just drive you nuts or, or what, what goes through your mind? Yeah, it drives me nuts. It, I, I get it. I get it. That is a huge, yeah. that is a huge amount of money that, you know, 60 million, 50 million for some of the lower level teams. That's a huge amount of money, but I also see the amount of money they're getting from national stuff too so that like and, and i see what the royals are doing and they are smaller market and they, they even compete in their smaller market they compete with the cardinals like a lot of fans yeah. in the area become cardinal fans i don't think it's right but you know I'm a, I'm a royal guy but it's one of those things that i i am this today with this extension it makes me happy when because when anybody else well we're just not sure of the whole TV deal. What's going to happen here? Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, this is, it comes back to this for me. If the Royals are spending, then anyone can spend. Cause I mean, they're a team that was not spending much, if at all in previous off seasons. And now they're, it, I mean, they're not up there with, or they're not what the Dodgers spending obviously, but they're like probably top five in spending this off season. So as I said, if there's any team or if, if the Royals are spending, than any team can spend. And really, <laughs> there should be no excuse otherwise. So I want to jump a little gears here. I know this is so cool for Bobby and any player that makes this, but I want to talk a little bit about uh, Lorenzen and Noah Syndergaard, uh, Mike Lorenzen and Syndergaard with their uh, little throwing session they got going on over there you talked about. Why don't you dive deep into that and let us know? No, darn right. I appreciate you asking that. Yeah, they so Lorenzen and, and Syndergaard threw for teams – about a week or so ago, um, maybe a little bit longer than that. And from what I had heard, both of those guys really impressed. And Lorenzen drew immediate interest after um, that throwing session. And from everything that I've gathered, his market has begun to heat up. And it's about time because he's, for me, he's one of the more intriguing high upside pitchers on the market, considering obviously he was really good with the Tigers last year. And then he got traded to Philadelphia. And then he threw the no-hitter there. And he was, well, I think he allowed zero runs or maybe one run in the first 17 innings in Philadelphia. And you could see the upside there for sure. He bottomed out and now his free agency is a bit murky. I think he's a really strong candidate for a one-year deal. And if I was a team like, say, the Giants or, say, the, the Red Sox or, say, I mean, a lot of these teams that need starting pitching, I think that would make a ton of sense. And it won't be, it won't break the bank either. Like you're going to be able to get him at a, at a probably a pretty good price. And if it pans out, you can end up having a, a difference making pitcher in the rotation. And I think it's a, a gamble that a lot of these teams um, should explore and eventually take a, a strong push at. And then Noah Syndergaard was not somebody I necessarily had strongly on my radar entering the off season. And then there was immediate buzz that there was some GMs 
that really likes Syndergaard and that believe that he could end up bouncing back after the year that, or the last couple of years that he's had. And everything that I've heard was that he was pretty impressive in that workout. Uh, and he was throwing around the mid nineties consistently. One team that I had heard that was interested was the Pittsburgh pirates. Um, another team that I know John Heyman of the New York post reported was the New York Yankees that were in attendance. There was probably about 13 ish other teams that were in there. And it would not surprise me if Syndergaard ended up getting, um, a contract this year to pitch. And I know, as I said before, there's some GMs that were really intrigued by him. And it seems like that intrigue is continuing to grow after that throwing session. This is just a comment. I don't understand why big league pitchers who have played in the big leagues and ended the season healthy need to throw for scouts. Like this isn't perfect game tryout camp. Like I don't, I don't understand it, but anyway, that's a completely other topic. You were in the Brewers clubhouse in 2018 I was. What do you think about the whole Corbin Burns going to the Orioles? Who who made out the best in this situation and who made the smartest move? Boy, I'll tell you, that's I knew like as soon as I like the first thing that I learned when I was around the Brewers in 2018, 2017 in that range was just how high the Brewers were on Corbin Burns and what they thought his potential was. And then he ended up he was great his first year, he bottomed out his second year. And there was questions about what his long-term outlook would look like. And then next year he ended up breaking out and he's ever since he's been one of the best pitchers in, in the national league. And, and there's been buzz for the last year or so that he's probably going to end up getting traded. And it all stemmed right after that arbitration hearing where he even admitted after the fact that the relationship between Burns and the Brewers was fractured and it probably was not going to end up being repaired. And I did not necessarily expect a trade uh, to be happening now. I thought that was going to end up being a, a trade deadline thing, and it seems like Burns was even was even thinking that as well. I, like as, this was so off my radar. I was so th this is how I found out about the trade. I was driving, um, I was going on a, on a date with my girlfriend, and all of a sudden I get a call from from someone who is like, if he calls, usually there's something that's going on. And I answer, and he's like, "Do you hear about the big trade?" And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And he was like, "Burns just got traded to the Orioles." And I'm like, "No, no shot, no effing shot." Like I, I thought it was, I thought it was not real. And obviously, it turned out to be real. Made some phone calls, and it seemed like the Orioles really pushed and had been pushing pretty aggressively recently, trying to get Burns or another high-end starting pitcher, and it seems like Burns was the one that they really thought was going to be a good fit. And obviously, I mean, hard not to think that because he's, he's one of the, one of the best, if not the best right-handed pitchers in baseball and putting him atop that rotation that includes a lot of talented youngsters. I think that's a really good thing for, for Baltimore and for the Brewers overall, I got a lot of thoughts on this one. Um, you sign Reese Hoskins and then you trade Corbin Burns. That sends a lot of mixed signals here. And it does, I just, it's, I don't, I don't know how they're justifying that. Um, it just, it seems like a really weird move overall. And obviously there's been a lot of different rumors surrounding Devin Williams or Willie Adamas. I know there's been reports about Adamas potentially being available. I still have not gotten that sense quite yet. I don't think he's necessarily available. And at least as of now, they plan on holding on to him. So we'll see what happens there. But I thought the trade was really good for the Orioles. Um, we'll see about their chances of extending Burns going forward because that's always a tough one with Scott Boris as his agent. So more likely than not, 
it's actually probably a virtual certainty that he's going to end up hitting the free agent market at the end of the year. Um, for the Brewers, they got a couple good prospects that they think they can build around, and they got a lot of team-friendly control uh, with those two. I I still think they was not a move I would have made. I would have probably ended up waiting until the deadline uh, to see exactly if you can make one, one more run at it. I get the fact that they want to they, they wanted to maximize a return for Burns, but if you're going to do that and then sign Hoskins, it just, I don't know what the plan is. I'm curious what you guys think on that too. Is that what your girlfriend said? I don't know what the plan is here. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what she said. Yeah, she says that to me more often than not. It seems like a daily thing. Uh, okay. Good. She's got to know what she signed up for, right? Yeah, exactly. So, thank was... goodness she puts up with me. We love that. Okay, that's good. Uh, Eric Kratz's favorite player, unsigned player right now, is Gary Sanchez. You're, you're talking about uh, Gary Sanchez getting interest in the Pirates and some other teams. What are you hearing on that? And I know when I did a Pirates game last year, they weren't super duper high on Henry Davis as their long term solution at catcher. He was actually playing the outfield and he was barely catching at all because of his bat and his catching skills were so lax. So, are they going to go into the year? They're clearly not going into the year with Davis as their starter. Is Sanchez a viable option for them? I think he is a very real option for the Pirates. It all here is going to basically depend on price because I think. When it's all said and done, it's going to be around the five million, maybe six million mark for Sanchez, and it's just depending on whether or not the Pirates want to pay that price for him. And I totally get their interest in Sanchez because Henry Davis, he does not have much experience behind the plate at the major league level. And signing a guy like Sanchez or another veteran would make sense and take some of the some of the load off of his plate and make this take some of the pressure off of him. And I think that'd be a really good thing for him down like, or this year and just going forward. I think that'd be beneficial for him. And it seems like at least with this Sanchez pursuit that the pirates think the same thing internally, but if they don't get a Gary Sanchez, I'm really curious to see exactly how the pirates pivot. Um, Do they explore the trade market for somebody else? Do they end up trying to see who else is out there in free agency? That I'm not sure, but I think Sanchez is a is a pretty high priority for the Pirates. And all I know is, is that there's other teams that are involved. And he has a at least one – he apparently has one pretty strong offer on the table. We'll see if he takes that or if the Pirates step up and beat it. But I think Sanchez is, is firmly in play with the Pirates for sure. That, that was going to be my question was – do you know the other teams that are involved? Because we 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 hit this a little bit earlier. We tried to go through the whole league and who needs catching. I think Gary Sanchez is a big league catcher. And if some guys who have signed are getting two-year deals at $12 million, to me, I think Gary's a two-year $18 million type of guy because of the numbers he's put up. Whether or not you think his defense is good, which it has clearly been well chronicled that in in – New York, it was terrible, according to some people. And now mm-hmm. it was elite, com- according to the numbers. So it's everywhere. Do you have any idea other teams or how much he could be getting? Yeah. I, so as far as the other teams that are involved, I think one, like this is speculation on my end, because I, I do not know who has made this supposed offer to Sanchez. But I think the Padres make a lot of sense because I think they, if you look at their catching situation, I think they can end up using another catcher. And then if you look at Blake Snell's numbers with Sanchez behind the plate, 
I think that's got to intrigue any team that would potentially sign Blake Snell because he was really good with with Sanchez behind the plate and possibly pairing those two together next year and potentially for another season or two has to be an intriguing thought. So maybe those guys have the idea of possibly trying to play together again next year. That's again, that's just my speculation of my end. I have not heard that, but um, it seems like the market for Sanchez is the pirates and then a few other teams that I am not able to identify quite yet, but try my best. And hopefully the next time I'm on the show, I'm able to, to provide more insight on that one. Need that. We love it. Let me ask you this. So Yankees bullpen search. I, I thought the Yankees had a really good bullpen last year, and I think they're one of the tops in the division, or not in division, in Major League Baseball. So for me, they're looking for another bullpen. Uh, why not another starter as well? Yeah, I absolutely do think they should end up getting another starting pitcher. I also think as far as the bullpen search, they were on a lot of these guys. They were on Keenan Middleton. They were on uh, Phil Maton. They were on Ryan Brazier. They were in on a lot of these guys. And the consistent thing that I had heard was that their offers were coming in short uh, compared to what some of these other teams were offering, and they weren't really budging. And I thought Middleton made a whole lot of sense uh, for the Yankees. And I thought that deal was probably going to get done, but the Cardinals ultimately ended up stepping up, offered a more lucrative one-year deal um, than the Yankees did. And Cardinals also included a club option on that as well. So I think the total value on that, if the option is picked up, is going to be two years for $11 million. And the Yankees just weren't willing to go to that level. And it was clear that they wanted to add somebody and they ended up doing that today as far as is the trade for Caleb Ferguson with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And, and that's going to end up being their Wandy Peralta replacement. And I still think the Yankees need to do something more because if you look at their off season, they ended up getting Juan Soto. They got Alex Verdugo. They got Trent Grisham. They've added some other pieces as well, but I still think there's, there's more room for them to, to be aggressive. And I, if you end up getting a Juan Soto, obviously that's a, a really meaningful piece for them. But getting more, I think, is something that should be of, of high priority for that front office. We'll see if they do it. But um, the, the fact that they were being outbid for a lot of these relievers has some questions for me. And I also forgot Marcus Stroman as well. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I forgot about that one. That, one's, that one was a, a really unique situation because I did not think that deal was going to happen. But for the price, I think the Yankees did a really good deal there. It was a really team-friendly deal. Um, but there's still room for them to, to press the gas pedal down a little bit further, I think. Robert, let's finish with this, because you mentioned the Yankees and them acquiring Caleb Ferguson. That happens because the Dodgers need a roster spot open again so they can bring back Ryan Brazier. So that looks like a two-year deal at 9 mil. Incentives can take it up to $13 million. He was pretty good last year, you know, an 0-7-0 ERA. So were you surprised that it had been, like, I don't know, a week since the Dodgers did anything? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are, man, I'll tell you, it seems like basically my Twitter mentions this entire offseason have been, why is my GM sleeping? And the only GM you could really not say that for was Andrew Friedman. But like the last week or so, I've been starting to get some DMs or some tweets saying, why is Andrew Friedman sleeping? And it's like, he's had a $1 billion offseason. And apparently uh, he's still he's still trying to do his thing. He's... He ended up trading Ferguson to the Yankees, and then now, obviously, they ended up getting Ryan Brazier back. And that that deal kind of felt like a long time coming because for most of the offseason, I had heard that Brazier wanted to go back to the Dodgers. And 
And really with the roster that they've constructed, can you blame them? Uh, obviously had a lot of success with them last year. Really talented roster, probably the most talented roster in Major League history. Um, that deal was felt like a long time coming. I still don't think the Dodgers are quite done yet because if you look, Clayton Kershaw is still available. And obviously, Kershaw is either going to do one of three things. He's going to go to the Dodgers, he'll go to the Rangers, or he'll retire. And it seems like retirement isn't really something that he's wanting to do at this point. So you would seem to think it'll be the Dodgers or the Rangers. Um, but my guess is he ends up going back to the Dodgers. He'll obviously miss a good, po- a good part of the regular season as he's coming back from the injury that he suffered in the postseason. Um, but I believe it's February 14th. Um, that teams can put players in the 60 day IL. So maybe around that point is when the Dodgers are able to bring back Kershaw. That's just my speculation, but I think that at least would make a lot of sense. There you go, Robert. Hey, great stuff, man. Great to catch up with you. Appreciate the time. That was like the most, one of the most timely mm-hmm. guest appearances ever with your breaking of the Bobby Wittick Jr. extension talks and then all of that kind of coming to fruition. Uh, you can follow Robert at by Robert Murray and check out all of his work and fan side at his weekly show as well. Robert, great to talk to you as always, man. Appreciate it. Keep up the great work. Hey, back at you guys. Always a pleasure. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. And Kratz or Eric, uh, go birds, baby. And uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. <laughs> yeah, enjoy the Super Bowl, oh, yeah. Robert. Go enjoy the Super thank Bowl. Thank you. Boo to birds, oh, Robert. My God. We'll talk uh, to you soon, bud. <laughs> hey, I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Again, check out Robert's work in Fansided. And also, by the way, it's a pretty big week in Kansas City. Now it's a bigger week in Kansas City. They got to they got to put him out there like he's got to go to the Super Bowl too now oh, yeah. on the sideline something. I agree. I agree. He's got to I mean he's already buddies with Mahomes but now he can kind of It's not that easy to get on the NFL sidelines especially for the Super Bowl. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. It's, it's it's like for the game pre-game, yeah. Yeah, I agree. But pre-game. During the game it's like next to impossible to be on the sidelines for an NFL game. Bobby can text Mr. Mahomes. But Mahomes now, doesn't have it's all NFL driven. No, I know. I'm just saying he can text him and say, dude, I can keep up with you at dinner now. Like you don't have to take True. all the bills. True. No, right? no, no. Does no. he ever get no, the Pat's chance? Pat's still paying. Really? Pat's still paying. Pat actually <laughs> just paid him because he's a partial owner of the Royals, isn't he? I love that name. Doesn't he have like a super small share of the does, Royals? I think I think he does. Okay. I think he does. But no, he's still shoot. He still looks down on Bobby's contract. He's like, hey, cool. That that's a cool try. Hmm. <laughs> You can pay yeah, the tip. Called... He'll tell him, pay the tip. <laughs> that's my endorsement deal money. But that's cute. Good job, kid. Keep it yeah. up. <laughs> Let's get to the headliner story of the day. We're swinging back to Bobby Witt Jr. and his extension with the Kansas City Royals. And we'll do some BetMGM World Series odds because Kansas City was terrible last year <laughs> at baseball. I mean, they were competing with the A's for worst team in the league. They were at plus 20,000 to win the World Series at the start of the season. And we would have said, please no. And then by midseason, obviously, the season was already over for them. They were 26 and 65 on July 10th. Mm-hmm. 19 and a half. They actually did better back. in the second half. They were better in the second half. As many of those kind of but teams. But they got are. Reagans. Cole Reagans is their best arm by far yeah. right and now. And Bobby Witt figured some stuff out. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're they're they they got some they got pieces. They got some yeah, good pieces. They're plus fifteen thousand this year to win the World Series. I wouldn't Series. put money on them. Anyone want to put a hundo down for the Royals to win the World Series this year? I'll take a hundred out of Kratz's money. Okay, <laughs> that's fair. You can have. Yeah, I got a couple extra hundreds. Yeah, not not for me yet. 
Where's their, where's their, you said, you said this year, this is the team they're going to have for the next three years. Like they signed some of these guys, like this is the type of team. Yes, I get it. They had Hunter Renfro on, you know, a one-year deal and they put together, but what, what is in their minor league system to come up and be like, okay, mm. this is, you know, it's a weird, like the Orioles are building around their, their youth. What, what are the Royals building around? Bobby Witt Jr., a new stadium? Yeah. What, yeah. what are we building around? Yeah, I mean, there's some nice young players. We like MJ Melendez, I think. And a piece. He's a piece. a piece. Yeah. Michael Massey has shown some flashes. Michael Garcia, they like. Yeah, he's a platoon. Michael Garcia, they like. They think there's some potential there. He, he showed some flashes last year. Uh, I mean. Vinny Pasquatino is. Yeah, they, I they, love they Vinny have, P. You know, I like that bat. It's one of those things like they have Bobby Witt Jr. from the system. They got some. They, they, I think they have some other kids coming. They got some pitching coming. From what, I remember, when we talked to JJ Piccolo. He said they. I thought they, they said they had some pitchers coming, but that's why. I mean, you go out and you get a Walker. You go out and you get a Seth Lugo, right? To to pair with some other guys, teach some of these young guys the way. I mean, Kratz, you were there in fourteen and fifteen. They went out and got James Shields, right? He was kind of the missing piece to to those young guys that they had with Wade Davis and and some of those other guys, Holland, and you know some of the guys they had. So I mean. It's it's just about mis- mixing and matching, but I, I like what the listen. At least we can say this about the Royals, and we haven't been able to say it in about ten years. They're trying. Yes, right. Yep. So at least they're trying. I'll give that then over some other teams. They're trying. They're and, much better roster than last year. A hundred percent. My God, they, they could not roster. pitch for shit last year. And it's so frustrating to watch Royals games. And I talked to I talked to one of the guys that works with the team. He's not a coach. He's not. He just he works with the team. And he said they had no veterans. They had no veterans in that clubhouse besides Salvi that could teach these guys what to do. And that is a is a huge, huge role in a team. And I think they addressed that. I think they addressed that and some with the guys that they brought in. So if they have those young guys that are going to step in, MJ Melendez, those guys, maybe, maybe this is the chance. Maybe I'll put down a dollar to win 150. It's not a bad move. <laughs> uh, hey, you want to you want to say there's some sneaky playoffness to it? That's the real place to look at. Look at the division, okay? Yeah. Because let's say the Twins have a disaster year. They had one a few years ago where like all their dudes fell apart, and they've got they've got a lot of talent on that team. But there's a lot of injury injury too. history with a, with most of their players more so than most, especially younger players, right? Royce Lewis, all the upside in the world. Unfortunately, he's dealt with a lot of injuries, right? Buxton, we've hit on many times. Buxton, of course. That Correa, he'll be the first him. person to tell you that. Kepler. Kepler. Yeah. There's a bunch. Kirilov, a bunch of those well, guys. Let's actually – we'll hop into them. Let me let me just give you the uh, the info here on, on BetMGM, and let's hop into the Twins because they just made a signing. So place your first BetMGM sportsbook wager through the app of at least 5 bucks. You'll receive $158 instantly in additional winnings regardless of your wager's outcome. You do that when you download the app. Uh, for the first time, you sign up and deposit at least five bucks into your newly created account. Place a wager in the amount of at least five bucks at standard odds price. And then once you place that bet, you'll receive $158 in bonus bets, regardless of the outcome of your wager. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1 800 Gambling. 